You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Well, we are a week away from the trade deadline, which means the Mets have to make a decision on what they're going to do. Should they sell and how much should they? On the show, the first segment, I'm going to break down that question for the front office and why I believe the Mets really should focus on selling whatever they can. In the second segment, we'll talk about the best trade deadline assets the Mets have, what will net them the most return of prospects. Then in the final segment, I'll get to some under-the-radar trades the Mets could make and you know some deals that I think will be off the table. Before we get to any of that, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FicklesteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So as the managing editor for Just Baseball, we are uh, doing the process right now of doing a trade deadline guide for every team. And I, of course, was assigned by myself. The New York Mets, of course, I'm going to be the one that writes that, and I knew it would be a podcast topic at some point, but I've been putting it off for weeks now where I thought, hey, I don't know what the Mets are going to do. Are they going to sell? Are they going to buy? Where are they at? And and as I finally sat down today to really map it out and and look at the Mets' options, I came to a conclusion. I think the Mets got to sell, and and not just sell, sell whatever they can. And and the reason I believe they should do that is because simply – you're not going anywhere this year. I, I just can't, without fan bias, tell you that the Mets are going to win anything of significance this year. And as much as you could say, all right, what can they get back? And we're going to get to that. On Saturday's show with Arm Layton, where we were talking about the MLB draft, we also mentioned the Shohei Otani trade package that got away. And essentially, it was out of me and Arm's conversations with each other and him joking with me as a Mets fan saying, hey, dude, you know the Mets? had a package that could have got Shohei Otani or anyone in baseball if they didn't make these trades over the last couple of years. And one of them was the Javi Baez trade where the Mets sent up Pete Crow Armstrong. The other ones were small trades. It was getting Joey Lucchese in a three-team deal and giving up Andy Rodriguez. At the time, a young catcher who no one cared about. Now, he's a top 100 prospect who just debuted and is starting for the Pirates. And then there was Hector Rodriguez that was in the Tyler Naquin trade of all deals last year. So sometimes you can be on the absolute losing side of a deal where you just give up something you don't think matters and that prospect blooms. You also could be on the winning side of it. And if you take as many cracks at it as you can, you might be able to find something that ends up being extremely valuable in a couple of years. Now, you can also say the last time the Mets sold, they didn't really get much. And that was all the way back in you know 2018 when – it was Sandy Alderson stepping down. They have this GM triumvirate, and, and they sold off every piece they could. And you look at it all now, and there's really nothing left. 
outside of Drew Smith and how great is that turning out for the Mets currently? So it is a tough thing to weigh. And Andy Martino of SNY says that teams are checking in on the Mets and trying to make trades with them or just gauging their assets and executives aren't sure if the Mets are going to sell and they're trying to weigh whether it's worth it for the, the, the cost or, or the prospect return they're going to get. Is that worth just completely floundering this year and having the last couple months of the season, not mean anything, but I'd also say how different is that from what you're doing? Cause the Mets are sitting seven games under and going into today. I'm not sure. I haven't checked the wild card race that there was other teams playing today, but the Mets were seven and a half games out when I wrote this. Now look, hey, the Mets go on a six-game winning streak and they close out this thing and they're a game under 500, which is a mistake I made on yesterday's show. I did record when the game was going on, so I didn't have that updated standings, but I heard it back. I was like, ah, I messed that one up. Yesterday, I said that they were, uh, if they had one out, they would be at 500. Well, it's even worse. If they win out, if they take these two against the Yankees coming up and they sweep a four-game set against the Nationals, there's still a game under. Now, maybe if everything else breaks your way over the next week, maybe you're sitting at five games out going into the deadline. And maybe that makes you think twice about selling and just say, okay, we're going to sit on it. But when you look at the direction of this team, the bottom line is you need to make every decision as a front office now with the thought process of winning in 2024. That has to be the number one goal because you can't look at the sample size that we've seen up to this point, which is nearly four months of baseball, and think that this is your year. You just can't. And 2024 could be your year. So that means if you can make a move where you can trade one of your guys and get a player that's going to help you next year, a prospect that's going to help you next year, or just something that helps your farm system to the point that either other guys are expendable or these guys you acquire can be flipped for more things next year, you really got to consider it. And that doesn't mean you have to trade every single player. Because some players you might not get the return that you'd like. But you have to listen on every player. And make sure you know what the market is for the guys you have to sell. And if it's a rental, which is what we're going to get into the next segment here, because there's a lot of rentals the Mets can move. We've talked about them on on shows leading up to this one. Of course, I know you're aware of who could be traded, but I want to get into what the Mets can get back here. If you can get anything of consequence for one of these rentals and you are in the mindset thinking of 2024, how can you in good conscience not make that trade? And the funny thing is about all of this, You can make these trades that I'm going to discuss and still have enough left to win this year. Not win the World Series, not even make the playoffs, but not be a 95-loss team. Now, you can still hang around, and it's about turning that focus towards next year. Who knows? Maybe after the other side of the deadline, when you've moved some pieces, Maybe the team you have left is younger. I wouldn't say hungrier, but just younger and more carefree. And who knows? Sometimes those are the most exciting teams to watch. And as those teams right now, if you look at the Reds, the Diamondbacks, even the Marlins to a certain extent, 
some of these teams who have surprised us in the wildcard race that are ahead of the Mets. It's these young sort of, we had nothing to lose teams who are in the middle of rebuilds that put it all together this year. And you need to really think about what you have for next season and what you need to develop for next season. I think that's where ultimately it comes back to sell and skew youth. And that's where we're going to get to next. What exactly do the Mets have to sell and what could they get back? I'm going to discuss all of it before we do. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Have you ever been in this situation where you want to go to the game and you're looking for last minute tickets, but you just can't find a price that makes sense and you're just trying to figure out how you can get there, but it doesn't add up for you? Well, Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the game. The game time guarantee means you're always going to get the best price. Okay, so if you find tickets in the same section or over less, game time is going to credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You'll get images of your seats before you buy, so you can know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, you're all set. Snag tickets without the stress with game time where they're sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Down the game time map, create an account, use the code locked on MLB, and you're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The New York Mets put the New York Yankees at 7.05 Eastern time tonight. Catch every pitch of the Mets hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Now, if you follow along with my trade deadline guide that I wrote for Just Baseball, which I will link in the description, I listed out all of the Mets trade deadline candidates. I want to start with the players that are most likely to be moved. And also, if you listen to my podcast a couple weeks ago now, I believe, if the Mets have anything that's worth selling, I talked about Tommy Pham and Mark Canna. And I still think that is what's most on the table. I think those are the guys that you can trade. And at the time, I thought, hey, maybe the Mets shot both and trade one. And I still think that that could be the case because the Mets might not want to completely cripple their roster. And Andy Martino's report today about not wanting to be a 90-plus loss team, that does ring true in that regard. And so maybe it's Tommy Pham that moves. But I'll tell you what, you'd be pretty foolish not to move him. Now, the groin injury could limit the value a little bit, but if he comes back and plays this week, which he attends to, and shows that he's good, you can flip him. And even though he's 35 years old, I think you can get a pretty penny for Tommy Fan with what he's done this year. On the season, 271 hitter, 355 on base, 472 slug, 9 home runs, 15 doubles, 11 stolen bases, a 129 WRC+. plus. You look a little bit, you know, more recently, since June, he's hitting 305, 379 on base, 531 slug over 38 games, 145 plate appearances. He's drawing his walks. He's not striking out too much. And his average exit velocity is 93.2 miles per hour, which puts him among the top 4% of hitters in Major League Baseball. Look at the expected metrics, which, you know, tell us what these guys should do. His expected batting average of 297 for the season. 
It's pretty much online with what he's been putting up since June, telling teams that that's legit. The slug of uh, 517, the expected slug, that is. Right in line as well. Again, great walk rates. Chase rates are great. Whiff rates are great. If you look at his baseball savant page, he looks like one of the best hitters in baseball, which is what he's been this year, and particularly over the last couple of months. Not to mention, he hasn't even been too big of a detriment in the outfield. He hasn't been great, but he's not going to hurt teams. So they can actually stick him out in left field and feel pretty confident about it. He's on a one-year $6 million deal, and the Mets will probably eat that down if it nets them a bigger return. Although this is the type of their trade where I think if teams are calling about Tommy Pham and the Mets say, hey, we'll eat the money if you can give us a little more, I think teams will say, look, we're comfortable paying Tommy Pham. And if that's the case, fine. But what can you get for him? I looked last year at Brandon Drury as a comp. He was having a great season in Cincinnati, which I could poke some more holes in than what Fam is doing. But still, really good numbers. He got the number six prospect in the Padres system. Victor Acosta, I believe. Yes, Victor Acosta. Now, he was signed out of the Dominican Republic in 2021 for $1.8 million. So a guy they really invested a lot in to get. He ends up in this trade. Uh, now he's slated as the number 18 prospect in a deep red system. MLB.com has him 12. So number 18 was by Baseball America, number 12 from MLB.com. Bottom line, though, a young, high upside, flyer-type prospect who you know, might break through and be awesome, and or you never know. But I think that's the type of player you can get. I don't think that for Tommy Pham, you're going to get a guy in someone's top 10 that's a year away from being ready and is a sure thing. I don't know if that's on the table, but I think in the right trade, you can get a very high upside guy. That's going to slide into your top 10 for Tommy fam. I really believe that's the case. If not the top 10, maybe a little outside of it, but if the Mets want to shop him for one great prospect, I actually think they can get him because the market is so thin on bats. Now, another trade comp that I have here is Andrew Benintendi last year. He was traded for three Yankees prospects, two of them, Right at the end of their top 20. Um, actually, I think one might have been 20, one was 21, depending on uh, you know which top 30 you consult. But bottom line was you know, two back-end top 20 guys, and then a guy that wasn't even you know close to that. So they got you know multiple prospects instead of one guy. I think the Mets could do that as well. They could you know get a better version, maybe, of the trade they made with the Angels, where They give up Escobar and they get Coleman Crow was the big find in that trade and they get another arm. The Mets could get multiple arms and maybe one of them being a good one or they could just get, you know, three cracks at it, whatever it is. But there there could definitely be a market for fam. And for Marcana, I don't think you're that far off either. This is a guy that is under a big contract. I think for him, that one mirrors Escobar more where you have to eat the money. But if you can tell a team, I'll give you Marcana on a vet minimum, because you're buying his money this year. Now he has a club option for $11.5 million next year. There's a $2 million buyout. The Mets can send cash considerations for that buyout. So they can cover the buyout and basically say, hey, if you want Mark Cannon as a rental, he's a rental vet minimum corner outfielder that can actually play in center if you need him to in a pinch, play some right field, although he's obviously much better in left, can play first base. And they've even had him play a little bit of third this year. So for a playoff team to get a guy with the veteran pedigree who's a great guy to plug into a clubhouse on a winning team who doesn't strike out too much, who takes his walks, who's going to give you a professional at bat, there's going to be value there. 
And I think what the Mets can do is they could trade both. They could take advantage of a weak marketplace for bats, trade both of these guys, call up Ronnie Mauricio. You're going to give the fans what they want because they're going to see all the young players at once. And you go for it with your veteran aces, who you're probably not going to trade. We'll get to that in a minute. And the talent you have in place, the Mets could do just that. And I think I'd be happy because I think the return is going to be pretty good for that. But what else is there that they have that has a lot of value? And David Robertson is the piece. Okay, I was talking to Arlen today, who, again, um, he was on the show last uh, Saturday. We, we did a MLB draft uh, breakdown or Mets draft breakdown. Really good show. And I asked him, okay, you eat all the money on Robertson. What do you think the Mets get? He said a top 10 prospect and a top 30 prospect from a good system. Essentially, the trade the Mets got for Escobar, but you know, a notch or two better because David Robertson is a much more valuable player. And there's a lot of relievers out there, but you'd be hard-pressed to find a better rental reliever than David Robertson when you eat the salary. Because a lot of these guys, you're you're you know, what's Josh Hader making his final year of arbitration? If you're trading for him, yes, he's more light. That is also more volatile. You know, he's got the one ERA the last time I checked it. He also is a guy that last year pitched to a ERA north of five, I believe. So David Robertson is maybe the highest floor, high leverage reliever available. Pitched to a 2-4-0 ERA last year in the regular season. Postseason, seven appearances, gave up one run. World Series, four scoreless appearances. Any team can plug David Robertson in. His number's even better this year, by the way, 208 ERA. And so he could be our closer. He could be our seventh inning guy. He could be our eighth inning guy. He could just be the guy in a playoff series that we go to whenever we need someone to get us out of a jam. So again, with that and with the return you can get, maybe that's a trade you have to make. And it sucks because that's the one that's going to really hurt your team day in, day out. But if you can get a top 10 prospect from a good farm system for a rental reliever in a year where you're that far out of the race. And that's not even factoring in the arm said, maybe a top 30 guy on top of it, but simply that alone, if you could get someone's top 10 prospect, that's a deal you probably got to make. And if you just trade those three guys and sit on everything else, there's still enough that you can win. Now the bullpen guys, Brooks, Raley, Adam Adovino. Those are other pieces that could be moved. But I think Brooks Raley, because he has an affordable club option, he's a guy I believe the Mets will hold on to. Because I don't think they want to strip that bullpen of just everything and be out of it. And if Brooks Raley has to be your closer, if Brooks Raley has to still be the guy that's bridging to a closer, you probably are better off keeping him. Adam Adovino, he's got such a weird contract. There's incentives in there. He gets 250 k for like every 10 innings he pitches beyond I think 30 or 40. I think it might have been 40, 50, 60, 70, something like that. Now you could cover incentives like that when you trade him, but you're gonna have to eat a lot of money. He has a 357 ERA. And I think that the return you get back for him, if you do end up trading Robertson, it's gonna pale in comparison. And you're better off keeping him most likely than flipping him for nothing. It, it just just to satisfy Cohen's desire to still kind of win this year. It might make more sense to hang on to those two guys. So there's something left to try to still, you know, put on a decent show for your fans down the stretch. Although again, 
You never know. If you eat down that contract, there is a chance you can move him. You can get a return. And same thing goes with Brooks Raley. If you ate his contract down, because, uh, well, that see, here's an interesting thing. A club option cannot be eaten down. Although his club option is affordable enough. I think it's six and a half mil. Let me actually look up my article because I believe I put, put all those salaries in there. I did. Um, let's see. Brooks Raley, that's not even that much. Jeez, it's so affordable. It's 3.3 million. This year is making 2.325. So, yeah, that's even more for you. Any team would sign up for that contract. So you don't have to eat anything on Rayleigh. Uh, for context, Robertson, if I, I don't know if I remember if I just said it, it's $10 million, um, for this year. Adam Adovino, it's $7.75 in the next year. It's a player option for $6.75. And, again, so a player option the Mets can eat down. A club option they can't because the player option, they've already guaranteed that the player wants the contract, it's there for them. So they can't eat down money on a decision for a club. But they can eat down money on a player option. So if the player opts in, the other team is not exposed to it, essentially. So that's where I think the Mets are with their bullpen and the two bats that will net them something. And I think if they were to just focus in those areas, they'd probably be fine. But there's also some other trades the Mets can make. There's the Aces. I'll get into them in a second. And then there's a few other guys that I listed in my article that I think represent a possibility to be moved. And we're going to get to all of them in just a minute. First, though, another word from our sponsors. The New York Mets put the New York Yankees at 7.05 Eastern time tonight. Catch every pitch of the Mets' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. And for a very brief series preview, uh, Mets-Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Justin Verlander takes the ball against Domingo Herman. You would hope the Mets can win that one. And then it's a pair of lefties who are coming off injuries and getting their feet wet. Jose Quintana versus Carlos Rodon. Rodon 0-3 so far, 7-3-6 ERA. So things haven't gone well for the high-priced lefty. We'll see um, what that series holds for the Mets. And, of course, for all you everydayers, I'll be discussing it at more length tomorrow once it begins. But getting back to the more important information at hand, because the deadline is all everyone wants to talk about, those aces. I don't want to waste too much time on it. I don't see it happening. Yesterday's show, I gave you all the reasons why Max Scherzer can't be traded this year. I still believe that to be the case, and I still think the Mets value these guys more than any other team in baseball. Their salaries dictate as much, and... Honestly, with the two of them around, that's your only hope that you actually do win down the stretch. So you keep them and you keep them going into next year because ultimately you're going to be hard pressed to find better on the free agent market and to pay down their salaries to move them. Well, that's just going to put you into more of a bind and more of a hole for next year. So if you're thinking about next year, well, now you strip these guys, you're paying their salary and you have to bring in replacements. All of a sudden, that rotation that you're already spending you know, next year, if assuming Scherzer accepts his player option, you're already going to be spending upwards of $86 million on those two guys. Well, now if you're eating, you know, let's just say $40 million of salary because you traded them both and you ate half their, their uh, upcoming contracts, well, then you got to replace them in free agency. I just don't see it. So let's get to the other deals that can happen, and we'll start in the rotation. Carlos Carrasco and Jose Quintana. Pitchers that could be moved. Carrasco, the Mets reportedly shopping him 
$14 million this year. That's one where they'd have to eat everything. And maybe you get a flyer. Maybe you get a flyer prospect out of that. He hasn't pitched well this year, though. I don't know why a team would want him other than just needing a depth starter. And there's other ones on the market. So maybe it's just because, hey, I'm trading and I'm picking between Lance Lynn and Carlos Carrasco. And the Mets are eating more money than the White Sox are eating on that bloated salary. So I'm going to take the cheaper guy and plug him in as my fifth starter and see what happens. So maybe you can move him. But to me, that's as much about clearing Carrasco out who hasn't been pitching that well anyway. Getting something in return for him. And maybe you think that David Peterson has figured some things out and you plug him back in the rotation. He's a guy that is going to be around. So maybe it's worth it to give him starts in the second half. Jose Quintana actually would be a value. Imagine you call up a team and say, hey, you know all these, these pitchers that you're calling about, the rentals? You're calling on Jordan Montgomery. You're calling on Eduardo Rodriguez. How about we give you Jose Quintana, $13 million this year. Uh, you know He's old at that point, whatever it is, six left. I'm not exactly sure the math on it. We're going to eat five mil this year. Next year, we're going to eat eight. And so you can have Jose Quintana for a million this year and five million next year. And suddenly a team can plug in a guy that's been a good starter, has coming off a great year last year, who looked pretty good in his one outing. We'll see what he looks like against the Yankees on Wednesday. You might be able to get something for him. Now, I think you go back to the whole conversation in 2024 in mind, and the Mets could just use Quintana. And so, I don't believe they'll move him, but there is a a chance that it could happen, and he could be a value. Along a similar line, Omar Narvaez, and this all comes back to how much money is Steve Cohen willing to eat? Is he really willing to eat these guys' salaries and turn them into trade chips? Because he did that with the Water Escobar. And I actually think you could do that with Omar Narvaez. And you have Tomas Nito that you can just bring back to be your backup catcher. And you can play Alvarez pretty much every day. Um, unless those days where he absolutely needs a rest, day game after night game, stuff like that. So Omar Narvaez, you can eat that contract with left of it this year, and he has a $7 million play option. So you can throw $6 million toward that. You can tell a team, like you call it the Marlins, hey, you want Omar Narvaez? Well, he could be your starting catcher for the next two years, and it's only going to cost you, you know, a million and a half. And a small market team might jump at that and give you a prospect they shouldn't. So I'd actually seriously consider Nervais because I don't think he's of much consequence to your 2024 team. I think the Mets, if Tomas Nito is Francisco Alvarez's backup, I think you're pretty much in the same place. Nervais fits a little more as a lefty, but who cares? So if you could, and from the beginning, the Nervais sign didn't make sense other than the fact that he felt like he was a good mentor and a bridge to Alvarez. But Alvarez has arrived, and he's awesome. So maybe that's a piece you move. Last one that I mentioned in this article was Daniel Vogelback. You're not getting anything for him. The contract's not big. There's no reason to eat it to get anything else out of it. Um, that's just a change of scenery guy. Maybe there's a team that likes Daniel Vogelback a lot, thinks that he's in his head in New York, and they can unlock something else. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised that Daniel Vogelback is a guy that goes to another team and finds something again and is a decent hitter for a, a team that's trying to make a push. But you're not getting anything of value. He's just a guy that might be moved. And and I said it before on a podcast, it's a glorified DFA if they trade him. It's getting him off your roster and you're opening more playing time for Mark Vientos. And that should ultimately be the goal here. It's playing for 2024. So if it's my team, if I was Billy Epler, 
and, and I'm the one making the calls. I'm trading Tommy Pham and Mark Canna because I believe the market will value those guys greatly. And I'm thinking very long and hard about David Robertson. Beyond that, I'm shopping Quintana. I'm shopping Carrasco. I'm shopping Vogelback. I'm even shopping Adovino and Rayleigh to a certain extent. But ultimately, I might hang on to Adovino and Rayleigh if the price isn't really worth, if the return isn't great, to keep some arms to maybe have a little bit of a run at it. I'm probably keeping Quintana because he's good in 2024. And unless you know I'm excited about the flyer, I might just keep Carrasco around because it's probably just better off to keep that depth starter. And I don't think that I don't know. You never know. Some of these prospects that you get back for these guys shock us. Could it be uh that the Mets pull off the heist of all heists for Carlos Carrasco? I doubt it, but you never know. So you gotta be open on everything. But to close again, the players to really watch the, the big three to be moved. That will get you the most value. It's Tommy Pham, it's Mark Cannon, it's David Robertson. And what this baseball team has showed us up to this point, there's really no reason not to move them. Move them, get what you can. And then, you know, there's still a lot left. You can still win baseball games with Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Kodai Senga, atop your rotation, and the guys that are going to be sticking around in that lineup. Still a possibility. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. For all you everydayers, a Subway series to break down on tomorrow's show, so make sure you check that out. Follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter, at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show, Locked on Mets. And if you want to listen to every pitch of the Mets' hometown broadcast, you can do so with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets.